eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Boston Loose Baseball, Episode 6. Grant Paulson, Danny Ruye, producer, Darius Dameron. On this episode, we're going to be breaking down Steven Strasburg's rehab start in Fredericksburg. We were on the road as a podcast. Also, you'll hear from top prospect Brady House. Caught up with him ahead of that Strasburg rehab assignment in Fredericksburg. And we will get to the bottom of what's good and what's bad with the Washington Nationals this week. All coming up on Bustin' Loose Baseball. It starts right now. This is Bustin' Loose Baseball with Grant and Danny. Interviews, analytics, and analysis on everything baseball in the nation's capital. This is Bustin' Loose Baseball. Grant, Danny, and Darris with you today. Danny, how are you? Doing very well, my friend. I'm jealous. You were in Fredericksburg last night as we taped this here on a Wednesday. You had your fan hat on. You had your scouting hat on. You had your... Bustin' Loose Baseball and Grant and Danny host had on last night. You're on the big board in Frederick, Fredericksburg, rather. You were a celebrity down there. Well, I had my Chase Gus around with my daughter hat on, too. I saw more of Gus than I saw of Steven Strauss. Well, that's a good hat. I'll let you know that I saw a few pitches of Strauss, a few fewer than I would have liked, but there was a lot of Gus in my life. He is the mascot at Fredericksburg. So they say that Gus is George Washington's imaginary friend. That's his backstory. And if you haven't seen a picture of him, I want you to do that right now. Google Gus Mascot Fred Nats. He is one of the creepiest-looking little guys ever. He's very nice, very good mascot when you actually get to know him, as my daughter has. And she always wants to go to Fredericksburg. She's got bobbleheads. She's got dolls that she sleeps with. She is a Gus Mark. So we saw Gus last night, Danny, in the first inning, in the second inning, in the fourth inning, and in the sixth inning on her way out of the ballpark. That's too much, Gus. I mean, just generally for me, that's too much. One time, hey, there he is. Okay, now the game. Again, remember Steven Strasburg? It's so many more years and so much money. It's really important that he's good. I need to see this. A lot of Gus. Uh, so you want to break down on Gus? Do we, we need to talk about him anymore? I, I think we could do a subsequent podcast, and okay. I'll tell you when we're recorded. We're recorded tomorrow morning at 5 a.m., so you show up and just wait for me to start it, and you can just start talking about Gus at, at that point. The Gus cast. Do you want to yeah. know what I ate, what we ordered at the game? Of course I we do. We can do that. We can start there. Okay, so uh, we got there. First of all, I drove down with our uh, one of our other producers on our Grant and Danny show, Ryan, 
So we were on 95, and a truck broke down. So for three miles from exit 163 to 160, it took an hour and five minutes. But then after we got past the broken down truck at exit 160, right at the site of the potential new home of the Washington Commanders, uh, then it took very little time. We were going 75 miles an hour straight down to Fredericksburg. We made the business decision because we were doing our show from 2 to 6.30 ahead of the game. We're going to be there all day. Obviously, there's nothing open hours and hours before the game to get some lunch. So we decided to get sheets. So I got myself a sub. He got himself some uh, boneless wings. And we ate that in the press box as we set up for the show. Did the show from 2 to 6.30. Went down during the show at one point and talked to Brady House. Uh, we're going to get into that in a second. But during the actual game, we ate Chick-fil-A sandwiches. That ain't bad. How about that? They have a Chick-fil-A in the ballpark. My wife went and just got a bag full of sandwiches and brought them back, and we just pummeled those until they were all gone. Then, a little bit later on, my daughter wanted ice cream, and that means she gets ice cream. And so we went and got ice cream for her. I bet it means dad gets ice cream, too. Well, the dad didn't get any ice cream, but the dad did do something. He got what I'll call like funnel cake fries. Okay. Which are like. You'll call them that because that's what they are. <laughs> well, I don't know what the name of them is. They had funnel cakes and they had like the funnel cake fries next to them. Okay. So I got those and then I said, they handed them to me and I said, would you mind putting a little powdered sugar on those? Oh. And then the 16 uh, year old girl behind the counter looked at me like, you fat tub of goo. And then she put the sugar on there and she We like, know the look, by the way. We've yeah. all received it. But she's like, here you go, sir. And I was like, here you go, slob. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> She's like, I hope I never look like you. And hands them over to me. And I consumed some of those. I didn't eat, you know, honestly, I didn't eat them all. You're going to be happy and proud of me. Hey. I ate a few, but it was a lot of chasing my daughter around and doing stuff like that. But I had some. I did. So that was what I ate at the game. Uh, now to the stuff that people care about. We want to talk Strauss first or Brady House first? Strauss first. This to me is it. Like, I am so hyper laser focused on all things Strasburg. Yeah. So Steven Strasburg needs some time in the minor leagues. Let's start with that. Uh, I was told by one of the Nats front office folks there, and I had the opportunity to talk to several members of the team's brass and watch a half inning or so with you know one of their top lieutenants. It's going to be another three starts for him, at least in the minor leagues. If I had to guess, I bet you he'll be in Fredericksburg on Sunday. So don't hold me to it, but there's a real good chance he's pitching there again on Sunday. They could bump him up a level, I suppose. But if you're in that area listening to the podcast, might be worth thinking about getting a ticket uh, to that game. I am guessing, best case scenario, this is if everything goes well. He throws on Sunday. Then he would throw again on Friday, I think that is. And then five days later, he'd work again. After the five-day rest there, he could make his first start in the big leagues. But there is a lot of stuff that needs to happen between now and then. Uh, he's not, you know, in terms of the, the mechanics and the, the development of of kind of getting back, he's not coming, you know, and talking to one of the uh, folks that was watching him last night. They don't like kind of what he's, how he's transferring his weight to the front side on the, the release. What I noticed was he had absolutely no feel for his breaking stuff yet. And that makes sense, right? Don't, don't they say, oh, you know this. You're, absolutely. Like that's the last thing to come. Yeah. Isn't that the old saying? Yeah. The, the touch, feel, command, coming back from an injury. I mean, you, we usually associate this with Tommy John guys, right? Where you're basically relearning to grip a baseball again. Like the, a simple action of taking your, you could do it right now as you're listening. Take your thumb and touch it to your middle finger. That's intuitive. That's a normal thing for everybody to do. You would grip a million things like that, right? A pencil, something like that. When you've had your arm cut open in the middle, 
Uh, and that fulcrum point, that middle thing, that stress bearer that is in that elbow, relearning how to do that with any kind of strength and learning how to do it hard, soft, hard enough that you're still holding the thing but not squeezing the life out of it, et cetera. It's a really underrated challenge. Then, by the way, have pinpoint control. If you change a millimeter in terms of an angle of where the ball comes off your middle finger slash pointer finger, you know, short over five feet, it doesn't matter. Over 10 feet, it doesn't. Over 20 feet, it starts to. Then you get to 60, and just the slightest quarter of a millimeter turn one way or the other is a ball by a foot and a half. Yeah. And these guys have to be so pinpoint, calculating for, you know, their own movement of pitches, and again, just having that kind of command. It's a really hard thing to sort of relearn. So that's absolutely the last thing that usually comes. So that, to me, was just, you don't have to be a scout. That was really obvious. I was told before the start it was going to be a lot of change-ups, and it certainly was, and the way it was described to me was that that's supposedly the feel pitch. Like that is the pitch that with that injury, they wanted him to, to basically get the feel to for. major in. Yeah. So he threw a lot of those and, and the really good ones were damn good. I mean, he was getting swings and misses. And as you'd imagine, making some a ball hitters look foolish. Occasionally the line was what it was kind of going into the start. I thought he'd get hit pretty hard because he's, it's almost like spring training, except you're not healthy and it's spring training, you know, or you're not right. all the way back in that he wasn't there to go shut that lineup down. If his job was don't give up a run for three innings, he probably could have found a way to do that last night. His job was get better, you know, fit, find a way to, to throw 60 pitches and let's see how you feel tomorrow. It, that, it, but also like throw changeups and, and find your breaking ball. And the stuff that you haven't done a lot of that you don't feel good about, like do that in a game while 6,000 people are watching a record at Fredericksburg's so ballpark, which you haven't been there. You should go check out. Uh, so, it was kind of what I expected. I, I maybe a little bit worse in that you know the line ended up being he walked four. I think he gave up three hits. He gave up the three runs. Um, he had very little command, which is expected. Mm-hmm. But what I didn't necessarily expect was how little control he had. People use those terms interchangeably, and it's a pet peeve of mine. It's always annoyed me. Baseball people do this as much as just random people do. But command versus control are two very different things. Control, I always say, is like walks. You know, that's throw. If you have control, you throw the ball over the plate in the strike zone. It's balls versus strikes. That's control to me. Command is then actually locating within the strike zone. Command is hitting the mitt. Command is throwing to a quadrant. I want the ball low and away, and it's low and away. You could throw strikes. You can miss in the strike zone a lot, and you could have no command because, you know, my catcher's mid is bottom of the strike zone, and I missed at the top of the strike zone. That's a bad thing to do. I mean, it's a strike. If he swings and misses, great. But not only did he not have the command, which I expected, there was little control as well. So we're going to see what happens here. I I was told at least three more starts. My timeline, this is completely speculative, I think we might see him in mid-June in the major leagues. And, I, and when I say mid-June, I don't mean like June 12th. I mean like June 20th. Like the, I, I'm targeting basically, as we talk today, it's May 25th. I would say almost a month, maybe a month from now. Like the, the, this week, the 20th to the 25th time frame would be about when I would be hopeful of getting him back in the big leagues based on what I saw last night. So a couple things on that. There are multiple processes, if that's even the right word, happening right now this minute. A strength buildup has to happen, right? Because this isn't a guy that was throwing seven innings every time out, then is rehabbing from an injury that is now kind of working that back up. This is still the initial ramp up from surgery. This is no game action for an extended period of time, pretty much like a calendar year going back. So that has to happen. The the 
um, going through the you know necessary soreness, recovery, the running, all your 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 job exercises with the small weights and your bands and your stretching. That all that stuff has to happen. There is no rushing that period in the story. The next thing that has to happen is also from a process standpoint when it comes to that command, touch, feel type stuff that you're talking about. That has to return for you to get out to the major leagues. You could go through a high school lineup right now just throwing, you know, 92 with a change up that falls off the table and you get a, a much bigger zone because it's high school kids. Well, at the higher levels as you go up, it's it becomes about results. Last night, I don't care if he, if he faced 10 batters and give up 10 homers. This is how does Steven Strasburg feel today. It's kind of like what you're majoring in at this point. But with the eyeball towards ramping up to get big league hitters out and going through a lineup two, three times, a lot of milestones have to be hit, and we're not close to them right now this minute. So your timeline makes a lot of sense to me. Well, and said another way, to use just a real-time comparison, so Joe Ross rehabbed on the same night last night, and he was in double-A at Harrisburg. And putting Strauss in Fredericksburg partially is probably convenience, and it's easy to get him down yeah, Easy 95. to drive down, yeah. But also, you know, it tells me maybe that Ross was a little bit closer or they felt better about the assignment of having some double-A hitters, which are some major league caliber guys, face him. Uh, want to talk Brady House, if you're good to move on, or anything else on Strasburg? No, I just, I think I think you covered it very well. The, the only thing I, I, I do wonder is... You mentioned some of the mechanical things that the the Nats exec was talking to you about. For, without getting too nitty-gritty into the weeds, comfort-wise, did Steven Strasburg look like he's just... Because you, you, you guys have watched this. You know the difference. Yeah, there wasn't what, like arm shaking. There yeah. wasn't tugging at his jersey. I mean, he kind of did look comfortable. I will say it was... I, I'm, I don't want to come off like I am... Um, Picking on Strauss or or calling him a jerk or anything. That's not my intention. But it was the most Strasburg-y thing ever. In that, Steven Strasburg, like, he comes off the mound. He's done pitching. Mm-hmm. 6,000 people in this ballpark, first time ever. Packed house to see him. They're all here for you. Uh-huh. I mean, they've followed you around the park from your warm-ups to when you're running in the outfield and to everything that he's done. It's, you know, just like kids following around Peter Pan, right, on the, the, the Lost Boys. He comes off, and you would have thought he just threw a perfect game, complete shutout, like just yeah, right. massive ovation. Here comes our conquering hero. Not even a, a tip of the cap. Couldn't you know? Couldn't even couldn't muster, muster like it, yeah. a little wave. Like he was. That's not him, man. He 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 did not play a role. Like he is not here for your entertainment or your enjoyment. It was so Strasburgy. Well, the thing that I'm looking for here is the you know when it's good, you know when it's not good with Stras, right? When he's good. He's getting the ball. He's doing that thing where he turns his foot sideways and getting right back on the rubber, peering in for the sign. Yeah, it wasn't a lot of that. When it's not comfortable, it's 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 like a toddler on a hot night in bed, trying to fi- just fidgeting around and kicking the sheets off and putting them back on and smacking you in the face and just being really irritating to, to, to kind of be around while you're trying to rest. You know what it looks like on that spectrum. Yeah, where I, was I would say last it, night? it was actually more good than like to the to the first thing you mentioned. That's good. Like it wasn't fidgety or anything. But you know what I got the sense? I said to someone while we were watching, actually, I said it just kind of feels like we're watching a glorified bullpen session. To be honest with you, which yeah. in his mind, I'm sure is exactly what it was. Like six thousand people or nobody doesn't matter to me. You can come watch me get my work in if you want to. A ball lineup or not. Like, he's been throwing these simulated games in anonymity where nobody's around to see it and, and nobody's watching. And to me, that's kind of what this was. It just felt like there there was no discomfort because I, I don't think, like, in his mind, 
there's guys on second and third right now. I'm not like trying to get out of a jam. I'm just trying to get this change up located, or you know, I'm trying to to do whatever I came here to do. Mm-hmm. I think if he would have given up ten runs in an inning, it doesn't change at all how he feels as he gets in his car and heads back up ninety five. Makes good um, sense. So I want to transfer now to Brady House, and I want to introduce it this way. On Grant's Instagram account, I believe at Grant H. Paulson on the Instagrams, you took several pictures from last night. One of you on the big board. There's a video of uh, Madam President, your daughter, chasing uh, Gus around. There are two pictures of Brady House. And I had to do a double take each time. Brady House is at the plate. There's a catcher and an umpire. And it looks like the whole scene is set up and nobody should be doing anything because there's no pitcher on the mound. Right. Because Brady House is so massive, he is obscuring the entire body of the pitcher. That's how I'm introducing the Brady House discussion. Yeah, yeah. And and to pick up kind of there, my takeaway first and foremost just physically is 6'4", 215 doesn't really give you the full vibes. Like So the way it worked was they bring us down from the press box area, they meaning uh, the, the PR director there who was helping us out, Eric, and he brings down uh, myself and, and Ryan who was producing. And I was just going to record the interview on my phone so we're not lugging any gear or whatever. And he brings us around. We we're walking down the, the, the fair foul line in left field past third base all the way out toward the bullpen on the outfield grass. It was pretty cool, actually, because Jackson Rutledge, who's one of their top pitching prospects, was out in the outfield. And he's long tossing. He's also a giraffe, by the way. Uh, he's 6'8". Six, 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 yeah. eight, you know, so he's just chucking the ball further than I can ever throw. If you, if you let me throw the ball, go pick it up and throw it again. With like a couple of humpback, just long tosses. I'm not able to throw it, and he's on a seed, you know, just throwing the ball pole to pole, essentially. So uh, so he's getting his working in the outfield. And they, he said, hey, wait here, I'll bring Brady out of the clubhouse. And the clubhouse is kind of back behind what I would say is like the left field corner. So he, he uh, Eric comes out, and he's got Brady House with him. And as soon as I looked at him, in my mind, I thought, well, this guy's never going to be a shortstop. I mean, I just, he's too big. Shortstops don't look like that. Now, he's actually handled himself adequately there, and there are some people who would like to see him stay there, I'm sure. But to me, he looks like when he's filled out, he's a third baseman. Like, I, I think the comp I'll give you is his shoulders are so big, and he's not filled out yet that it kind of looks like when there's like a really big puppy with huge feet, and you're like, oh, that dog's going to be massive. Like that's that's what that's all I could think about looking at Brady House standing next to him, him towering over me. Might as well have been doing an interview with a, a lucky fourth grader who was there to. I get to meet Mister House today. Like it was, it was, it was awesome to catch up with him. And the other vibe I got from him again before we get into the baseball stuff, this dude gets it. You know, he I think he's eighteen going on thirty. Like he's tatted up. He's got like an arm sleeve. Uh, how many 18-year-olds have that going for him? He's a California kid, real low, key, like low-key and chill, likes to fish, kind of does his own thing. I don't get the sense he's overly involved or on social media or following a whole lot of stuff in that regard. But he has done a lot of interviews. And I've interviewed him several times before over the years for um, my baseball stuff on MLB Radio because he was one of the top players in the country before last year's draft. So I, I kind of knew this going in. But you know, you interview an 18-year-old, which he's still 18 for another week or two, it seems like you're interviewing an 18-year-old a lot of the time. Not with him. Like, if he was in the Nats clubhouse tomorrow, until the game started, you wouldn't know the difference. He looks like he belongs in that clubhouse. 
He wouldn't be one of he'd be one of the bigger guys in the clubhouse, to be honest with you. And he acts like and he talks and conducts interviews like he belongs in that clubhouse, which you may not care about. But I'm just telling you, having been around the block a while on the prospect front, like those things can be big deals, too. And uh, and we can get into the baseball here in a second. But those were my just kind of. I could look at box scores all day long. I could look at stats. That was my first time getting to stand next to him, talk to him, shake his hand, and it, it, those are some of the takeaways. Well, that stuff matters that you just referred to. And again, we'll, we'll do some of the nitty-gritty baseball stuff in a moment. But that's maturity stuff. That's how do you handle a slump? How you know do we have to worry about you on the road? Are you you know doing everything you possibly can to keep your career as long as possible? Are you a guy that's yeah I can I can sweat it out when I get to the ballpark the next day and and still be okay? Well, is it about being okay or about being the the greatest? Are you are you going to be a superstar? Those sort of things that that. What um, the expectations and some of the pressures that weigh on some of these players? You want—that's what they call. It. That's why they call it makeup. That's what they're sort of talking about here uh, when it comes to that. How you handle all the adversity, all the stuff that gets thrown at you, and all the cushy treatment that big leaguers get. For some guys, it makes them lazy. Other guys, it's just you know something that you do on the way to being uh, a superstar. And everybody handles it differently. So that stuff is appropriate. Um, give me a comp because to me, watching his swing, he's got a lot of Ian Desmond in his swing. That you know, that's not a great player comp, but just thinking about him and his actions at the plate it reminds me so much of Desmond. He's just got that ungodly power. He's a bigger dude than Desmond. It isn't as fast, but is there somebody that he reminds you of? Well, I'll say from a looks standpoint, first and foremost, kind of like a less filled out Jason Worth almost in terms mm. of like a little bit, you know, for how big he is. I won't say lanky. But like when when he ends up filling out, I could see him with like that type of uh, a body type. Um, in terms of baseball, I mean, look, I think he's going to end up at third base. I think that there's a chance that he ends up hitting for a ton of power and ends up hitting for average along the way as well. Um, I'm trying to think of someone who's got the the hands that he's got because that to me, the quickness of his hands, the, how you know his wrists, the strength in the wrists, like those are the things you hear about. Um, I, I don't hate the Desmond swing thing, but from like a player profile, that doesn't work that well for me. Uh, comps are tough on the fly. Yeah. I got I got to think about that. For no, a I didn't second. mean to put you on the spot because the reason I brought it up was because I saw multiple highlights that the Nats have tweeted, and I go like you, you know. Obviously, you can't close your eyes and watch it. But if you close your eyes, you, and you remember Ian Desmond's swing, some of those left-center, light-tower power home runs that he had at the major league level, and then you go, okay, put them side by side, the swing looks very similar to me, kind of an athlete in the box. So I've got one, and this was one that happened a lot before the draft, and I think this is actually a really good one. Uh, Chris Bryant would be my comp. Cubs MVP type, mm-hmm. you know, now playing, obviously, in Colorado at Coors Field. I, I could see that. I, like, that body type, that power and batting average kind of ability. Um, I I think there's some similarities to the swing. It's probably going to be a little bit of swing and miss, but I I like that. I think Chris Bryant works. There have been some that have said Manny Machado as well, just because you know, maybe could stay well, short shortstop, you know but I the could hands, see that just based yeah. on the size, because yeah. I remember interviewing Manny and thinking the same thing, but House to me, you know, I, I, Manny's not, certainly not 6'4". Like, he's bigger. And he's 18. Now, I know he's about to be 19, but you wonder, could he grow a little bit more still? Like, mm. what if, is he 6'4 and a half in the end and and 230 pounds or something? Uh, big shortstops were a thing for a while and still kind of are. But, you know, the, the, the one I can think of is like, a you know, Correa staying at short. 
other than that, most of the time you're moving them off the position. And you got to be really good defensively. And I'm not sure if that's what the expectation is for him either. He had a ball last night um, that was stung where he couldn't make a play. Um, big leagues, it's an out. And, you know, he just it was almost like he tried to play it to the side on the backhand. Whereas maybe if you're in a little better position, you're able to get over mm-hmm. in front or a of little you. quicker. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, it's also you, it's it's your channel as an athlete too. If you think about this, like where is he best served offensively? And that may be getting bigger and stronger. That may yeah, be some true. of those fly balls that are you know warning track now carry out if you add ten pounds, fifteen pounds of muscle. Well, that's not conducive to picking balls at shortstop and ranging in the hole. You know, like so you know if you want to improve him defensively and make him a long term shortstop, you skinny him up, you quick him up. Well, that's not his game. His game is being, you know, putting bat the ball and having some of those balls carry out. So it's one of those things that how do you get the most out of the player in terms of development? Right now, I have no problem with him getting reps at shortstop. Um, a, you see if he can stay there. B, I yeah, think it's it, what it should be for now. Why yeah, I not? think it helps everything else too. You know, and a, a lot of guys developmentally will, will say that. You know, everybody when you when you get to a, a college team, eighty percent of the guys were high school shortstops. You know, there's a reason for that. It's a lot of times the best athlete on the field. A lot of times the guy that was the most accomplished. But then you start to get specialized at a higher level and. Then you go to second, then you go to third, you go to left field, some play first base. His future is, doesn't have to be determined right now defensively. Yeah, I think that's totally true. All right, so let's play this interview with Brady House, who was able to grab uh, at the ballpark in Fredericksburg. Now, producer Darris, you've got to fill people in. So at the very end, it seems like the rain got a hold of my phone a little bit, and it kind of botched some of my get-to-know-Brady House questions. So those are unlistenable enough that it's not even worth posting, or should we post the whole thing, or what do you think? Uh, we'll, we'll get the first couple in. There's okay. a, the, fir- the first couple sound totally fine. And then yeah, it kind of fades off towards the end because of the rain. Darn rain, man. Yeah. It wasn't even raining hard. Like it was just kind of dripping, but I noticed it was hitting the phone a little bit as we were talking. All right. So this was Brady house in Fredericksburg ahead of getting to play behind world series MVP, Steven Strasburg. 